Well, good morning, everyone. You're all, yes, good morning. Hello. Great. No, no, just making sure you're all here and alive and listening. It's good. Well, how about we pray as we look into God's word this morning? Uh, Father in heaven, we do pray that as we read your word, it will change us, renew us, change us, Lord, help us to be like Jesus, our Saviour. Thanks for our time together this morning, and Lord, use me to speak carefully and clearly your word. Give us all ears to hear, we pray. Amen. As Phil said earlier, we are starting a mini-series on our church core values. If you'd like to know a bit more, please talk to me or Phil after the service. You can also find these core values on our website. Uh, But the next couple of weeks, we're looking at our core value on biblical teaching. And our statement goes like this. We believe that the Bible is the word of God and the only rule of faith and practice. The careful and clear explanation of the Bible is central to the life of our church. When the word of God is taught faithfully, we believe that the Holy Spirit will challenge people to grow them to be more like Jesus. And so that is what my hope and prayer is, that over the next couple of weeks, that's what will happen. That as we hear God's word taught, not just from me, but from others who do so from the pulpit and through small group ministry, that people will hear about Jesus, be changed and be more like him. But we are doing a short series and I thought this week it'd be good to reflect on how hard it is in our modern era to know what is true from what is false. Artificial intelligence can now generate images and write essays and some of them are pretty convincing. Uh, People online can post pretty much anything that they like on social media and pass it off as truth, even if it's not. And for that reason, uh, a lot of people were a bit concerned, particularly around issues of misinformation and disinformation being spread online. In 2022, our federal government held an inquiry into this issue of misinformation and disinformation on digital platforms. And their report says this, and I quote, Disinformation and misinformation are significant and ongoing issues. The growth of disinformation and misinformation erodes trust in democratic institutions and causes harm to individuals and businesses. Digital platforms must take responsibility for what is on their sites and take action when harmful or misleading content appears. Now, it all sounds good in theory, but this is the problem. We don't know true from false. Uh, Who's to say that when the government steps in and corrects what they say is misinformation, that they don't also have it wrong? This is the dilemma that we face. Our society doesn't know where to go for determining truth from error, fact and fiction. Uh, It seems a bit erroneous in this context, though, that While they're very concerned with social media and other digital platforms, they're not particularly interested in the world of religion, for now. Uh, Even though there's truth and error, right and wrong in social media, when it comes to churches and other religions, well, you know, live and let live. Uh, Who knows? What's true for you is true for you. May not be true for me. Uh, You know, there are many paths to the top of Mount Fuji, a friend of mine used to tell me. Um, All religions can just coexist. That was the theory. And they're all basically the same. They all sort of teach the same thing. And it doesn't really matter which one you follow. It doesn't matter who you listen to. But that's not what the Apostle Paul says today in this passage in 1 Timothy. Truth matters. 
and there really is right and wrong. We can't all just coexist in some sort of happy universe where it doesn't matter what you believe. And that is why Paul left Timothy in the city of Ephesus, and that's why he writes him this letter. There really is fact and fiction, right and wrong. And Paul's covering similar ground here about his authority and the authority that Timothy has to correct those who are using misinformation and perhaps disinformation. Uh, Timothy has this information about how we should treat one another, about how we should use the Old Testament in particular. And it all comes down to authority and lawful, lawful good. So when it comes to discerning fact from fiction, here's what Timothy needs to do. He has to make sure that his sources are reliable. And we too need to do the same thing, don't we? Uh, An expert in the field with years of experience will be a far more reliable person than someone who has done his own research and maybe someone you've just met. And that's why Paul begins this letter by laying out his authority. Uh, If he's telling Timothy that he has to correct false teaching by listening to Paul, Paul has to lay out that he's someone Timothy should listen to, that in fact he has authority himself. And so in verse 1, Paul introduces himself as an apostle of Christ Jesus by the command of God our Saviour and of Christ Jesus our hope. Paul is an apostle, somebody sent with a specific message on a specific mission. And who was he sent by? Well, none other than Jesus Christ, by the command of God. Now, Jesus and God have commanded Paul to go with this message. Now, you don't get a better reference than that, do you? If you wanted to know whether what Paul says is reliable or not, well, just look at who sent him. Jesus by the command of God. Now, that is someone with authority. If we're going to listen to somebody, it's good that we're going to listen to somebody like Paul sent from the command of God himself. And this letter is addressed to Timothy, who Paul calls my true son in the faith. It's this beautiful description of their relationship being very close, but it's more than that. Timothy is like a son to Paul. Yes, not a physical son, of course, but a spiritual son, a a true son in the faith. And it's not just that they have a close personal relationship like father and son. Yes, I think that they do. But in the old days, what would you do if you had a son? What would your son do when they grew up apart from take on the family business? If you were a blacksmith, so too would your son be. Now, you would follow in your father's footsteps. Timothy is following in Paul's footsteps as his spiritual father. And so it's not just a matter of close relationship. It's also that Timothy will more or less do the same thing that Paul is doing. So if Paul comes as an apostle sent by Christ Jesus, by the command of God, if his message is the one with authority, then Timothy will also have that same message with that same authority. He will pick up and carry on Paul's mission, like father, like son. 
He will continue the family business of telling people about Jesus. And this is also why Timothy was left there in Ephesus in verses 3 and 4. It's to charge people, instruct them very clearly not to teach false doctrines, uh, not to devote themselves to myths and endless genealogies. Now, implied in this is that there really is truth and error. Uh, There is fact and fiction. And Timothy's job is to command those who are teaching things that are false to stop. And this is a strong word, uh, command. It's someone who has authority. Not someone who's just suggesting, well, you know, it's not my personal take. It's, you know, but you're free to do what you like. It's just a suggestion. No, no, this is a very clear instruction that you must stop. This is not okay to teach what is false. And Timothy has every right as the one with authority to direct what is taught in this church in Ephesus. He's been appointed by the Apostle Paul himself who in turn was appointed by God. So there's this direct authority line that flows from Christ Jesus to the Apostle Paul and to Timothy. And that is why Timothy must instruct these people not to teach false doctrines anymore. Because there really is truth and error, and the job that Timothy has is to correct those who are in error. There really is myths, and devotion to endless genealogies that seem to have been common in Ephesus. And Timothy's job is to stamp that out and say there's no place for that in the church. What we must do instead is to teach sound doctrine, what Paul himself received from Jesus and passed on to Timothy. We teach what, in effect, is recorded in the Bible because it's reliable And it's authoritative. It's the message that we have from God himself. That's why our church core value states clearly that we believe the Bible is the word of God and the only rule of life and practice. You see, we've got to get our knowledge of God from somewhere. And uh, options may well include uh, tradition, scripture, reason, or experience. And different church denominations are going to place weight on a different end of the spectrum here. Uh, Some might be more inclined towards tradition. Uh, They might have a record of people who have been part of that church and what they've done and taught over many centuries or even millennia. Maybe that's for them, traditions, the most important thing. Uh, Is that what we should do? Should we trust what other humans have said and done who've gone before us? Or perhaps, should we trust our own thoughts and our own experiences? Well, I I, uh, sang a particular song or I read a Bible verse and it made me feel bad, therefore it can't be true. Or vice versa, maybe it made me feel good and therefore it is true. Uh, Should that be the weight of experience? Perhaps it should be reason. We uh, think about it, use our brains. Uh, We're not stupid, we can think for ourselves. Do we rely on that instead, rather than Scripture, reading what God himself has taught us? And what we do in this church is to say that Scripture is the supreme authority. Now, it's not that we can't listen and learn from others who've gone before us with tradition. There may be a place for that, but it can't be above Scripture. 
It can't be above what we read in the Bible. Uh, So what we can't do is say, well, there was a a theologian a number of years ago who thought this, which uh, it's not what the Bible taught, but I really like what he says, so I'm going to go with that. We can't be doing that. These sources might be helpful, but we're not making them the rule for how we run church and what we should believe. Rather, we're relying on Scripture as our most authoritative, the most important source for doctrine. Why? Because when we read the Bible, we get what Jesus and his apostles have said, rather than using our own brains or relying on other people. And so the the Bible really is the source for our sound doctrine. And this is kind of where Paul continues to go as he speaks to Timothy about these matters. Uh, It is the means by which we will correct those who are in error. And the goal of this is love, as Paul says. Uh, The whole point of this is that this correction is done with a clear conscience. It's done out of love in verses 5 to 7. We want to correct those who've gone astray because there really is right and wrong. There really is heaven and hell. And because we care about people, we don't want anybody to go there, to hell. And so we want to prevent that. We want to make it easy for people to know Jesus and to have eternal life. That's what Paul is saying. We're not correcting people to make ourselves look good. We're not correcting other people to sort of win an argument so that we can puff ourselves up. We're winning these debates and arguments for their benefit because we love them, because we care enough to tell them that they're going astray. Hey, that's not on. That has to stop. What you're teaching is not on. Why? Because we love them. We love them enough to tell them that they're wrong. And we don't want anyone to suffer. And if only these teachers in Ephesus had held tightly to what the Apostle Paul had taught, but they didn't. And so Paul sends Timothy, and then Timothy gets this letter from Paul, all about how he needs to keep correcting those who've gone astray. And the people have turned away from what the apostles taught. And they're not listening to what is authoritative. They're just kind of making it up as they go along. Uh, Listening to themselves, thinking about it rationally, perhaps. And they're coming to all the wrong conclusions. Uh, This is nothing new. Paul often does this in some of his other letters. He often has to correct churches that are going astray. And you just consider these passages from Galatians chapter 1. Or from uh, 1 Peter chapter 1 verse 21. Uh, For prophecy never had its origins in the human will, but prophets, though human, spoke from God as they were carried along by the Holy Spirit. Uh, God has provided us with a means to know what the apostles were thinking. Uh, The Apostle Paul isn't here with us today. I can't ask him personally, hey, if we're doing this, what do you think? Um, But I have this terrific ability to travel through time by reading the Bible. I can see what somebody 2,000 years ago was thinking. And so that's why we want to base our beliefs on the Bible. And we're going to promote sound doctrine, and we're going to refute error, and we're going to teach with authority because God's Word was inspired by the Holy Spirit. Uh, The teachings of Scripture were not made up by human beings. Rather, God's Holy Spirit has inspired people to write what they did. And that is why Paul and the other Bible writers are telling us things and we should listen. 
and we don't rely on those other sources. Instead, what we do is we go to the authoritative source, the Bible. Because if we want to know what the apostles were teaching and we want to know what it is that we should do, well, that's the best place to go. So obviously there's this problem in Ephesus. Timothy's been told that he has to correct those who are teaching what is false. Um, But what exactly must he correct? What is it that they're teaching that they shouldn't? Well, we don't know exactly. We don't have the specifics of it exactly, but we do know that it seems that it has something to do with the Old Testament. Uh, People might have been applying it incorrectly or viewing it as somehow uh, using it in a way that they shouldn't be using it. And so Paul outlines that there's uh, good and bad uses of the Old Testament law. Uh, Now there is a right and a wrong application of it. And it all comes down to lawful use of the law. We want to be lawful good, if you like. Now we're talking about the Old Testament law, of course, not obeying road rules and paying taxes and that sort of stuff today. But in the first century, many of the early Christians had been Jews, very familiar with the Old Testament customs and all the laws that came with it. And so there was a lot of debate early on about exactly how Jewish should we still be? Uh, Which of these Old Testament laws are still relevant? How should we view it? What do we do with the law? And various people would have come up with various different solutions, and a lot of them got it wrong, and this is why Paul is correcting them and getting Timothy to do the same. And this is, of course, important too for Timothy. Timothy was between two worlds. Uh, We meet Timothy for the first time in Acts chapter 16, verse 1. And his mother is a Jew, but his father is a Greek. And so he probably wasn't really accepted in either community, Uh, looked down on by the Gentiles for kind of being a Jewish guy, but also looked down on by the Jews for sort of being a Gentile guy. So where does he fit? Uh, Is he a Jew or not? And he was kind of neither. And I think for that reason, he wouldn't have been accepted very well in either community. Not really Jewish, but not really Gentile either. And the temptation might have been for him to throw his lot in with one group or the other. Yep, you know what? I'm going to identify with the Jews and I'm going to agree that we've got to wholeheartedly obey the Old Testament law. Or he might have been tempted to throw his lot in on the other side with the Gentiles and say, well, we don't need the Old Testament law at all. It's completely irrelevant now. He doesn't listen to God's word if he does either of those extremes. But isn't that a temptation for us too? Or maybe not exactly. As Christians though, we might be a bit weird. This is the problem that we face. We don't really fit into the culture around us and we're forever being tempted by our society to just go along with whatever our culture says is good and bad and right and wrong. Now, for those of us who are Christians today, the issue almost certainly won't be how we use the Old Testament law. That's not going to be the problem. The problem will be something else. But I can guarantee the pressure will come and the temptation will be to either just kind of fit in with our culture or go with what God's Word actually says. Now, according to the Jewish thought of the day, uh, they were God's special people, which is sort of right. And because they were so special and so good and God loved them so much, he gave them his law. 
which is not quite right. They thought they were lawful good and God rewarded them by giving them his law. In fact, though, as we see, they weren't given the law because they were good. They were given the law because they were bad. Uh, They thought they might have been lawful good, but God really says you guys are chaotic evil. That's why you need the law. The law, in fact, is the mirror by which we can see our own sin. And so when we realize our own sin, we also realize our need for a savior. We need somebody to fix that. We're not lawful good. We are chaotic evil. And this, my friend, is why we have Jesus. This whole issue of sin and salvation really comes to the fore with false teaching. And so Paul clarifies that the law wasn't given to Israel because they were good. Rather, it was the mirror by which they could see their sin and therefore shows the need for a saviour. If we're going to use the Bible, particularly the Old Testament law, for anything else, then we're using it incorrectly. If we think by following it, it is the way by which we can please God, well, we're wrong because we could never fully obey it. If we think that that's the means by which God blesses us and he thinks that we're really good and this is a reward for our good behavior, then we're also wrong. It reminded me of a news article that I read recently. As a man in China found this strange object a number of years ago. He wasn't sure what it was, but he was using it to crack walnuts and it was really good. It was very good size and shape and the weight and the, it was really good at effective nut cracking tool. In fact, he'd used it to crack walnuts for 25 years until one day he read a government pamphlet about unexploded ordnance in the area. What he found was a World War II stick grenade. But he didn't know that, and he'd been using it as a hammer. Uh, It sounds funny on one hand, but can you imagine using an explosive as a hammer? He's lucky it didn't explode. But just imagine the harm that would have been done to him and others nearby if it had have gone off. Uh, He's lucky in a sense that nothing bad did come of it, But if something like that is used incorrectly, can you imagine the damage that that will do? Well, the same thing can be true of the Bible. Uh, If it's used incorrectly, we get ourselves into all kinds of messes. If we're using the Old Testament law as some kind of stick by which to hit people and force them to comply with what we want, then we're using it wrong. If we think that it's the way by which we can come to know God and please him, then we're wrong and we're using it incorrectly. And countless people have gone astray and found themselves injured through the improper use of it. But ultimately, this is why Paul is so concerned, is that the Bible is a tool. The Bible is a thing that we can use, but it's got to be used correctly. And so the whole point of this exercise is that he wants people to live according to God's law and he wants people to live in a way that conforms with the glorious gospel of our Lord Jesus. That's his conclusion. He wants Timothy to promote what scripture teaches, to promote 
what he calls sound doctrine, because in it we can understand who Jesus is and come to faith in him. So that's Paul's main concern. He wants people to not go astray and follow false teaching, but rather to understand that they need Jesus, to understand that it was Jesus who laid down his life as our saviour. It was Jesus who rose again to give us eternal life. That's the way by which we can come to know God, nothing else. And that is the gospel, the good news that Jesus has died and risen again for us. That's why Paul is so adamant that Timothy corrects what is false teaching, because he wants more people to know real teaching so that they can put their trust in Jesus. He wants Timothy to promote godly living as well. It's not just a matter of personal opinion. It's a matter of obeying what God says in his word. Because when we read it, we understand that we've all sinned and fall short of the glory of God. In the Bible, we learn of the Jesus Savior, Jesus who has died and risen again for us, despite our sins and faults and failings. That is the way for us to get to God. And so that's why we make biblical teaching our number one priority. It is our highest authority in our church. That way, anyone who comes here can clearly hear that they're sinners in need of a saviour. And when we read the Old Testament law, we should be using it to promote sound doctrine, teaching people that this is like a mirror that shows us our faults and our need for Jesus. Ultimately, Paul's goal for Timothy was to promote sound doctrine so that more people could put their trust in Jesus. And that's the goal for our church too. We want to be able to clearly proclaim Jesus so that whoever you are, wherever you're from, you too can come to know Jesus like we do. So then, after our week of Adventure Zone, there was some great opportunities there to get people to hear about Jesus. There's a great opportunity every week in your growth groups to also hear about Jesus. So do you really know Jesus today? Have you recognized your need for him? Have you seen that from the Bible you are in fact a sinner in need of a saviour? Well then today is your chance to know that for the first time. Because through the Bible that is what we learn. And I'd be happy to talk to you more about that or talk to somebody else after the service. But ultimately we want to hold firmly to sound doctrine as taught in the Bible so that more people can come to know Jesus. And the best way for that to happen is through the Bible. So let's pray and thank God for all that he's done for us. Father, we thank you for your word. Thank you that through the Bible we can read of our need of a saviour and we can read of Jesus who is our saviour. And thank you, Lord, for him. We pray that our church will firmly hold to your word and make it our only rule of faith and practice. Help us, Lord, to continue to grow and be changed to be more like Jesus as we read it and study it. And we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen.